it is good to be the kind of person that being told no to doesn't bother you too much. Because, you know, the odds are so incredible. Um, you make your best efforts, but you're still most of the time going to hear the word pass. Just sort of got to be kind of okay with that and be the kind of person who doesn't take it personally. You just say, okay, I got to go back and dig some more. Hi, everyone. Thanks for stopping by the Nashville AIMP Pubcast. I'm your host, Michael McAnally Vaughn. I'm the secretary of the Nashville Association of Independent Music Publishers, and I'm the president of Smack Songs. On today's pubcast, we're joined by Dale Bobo from Big Deal Publishing. Big Deal is the home to some of the top songwriters and has offices in New York, LA, and Nashville. Dale has been involved in Nashville's AIMP with me for several years and helped us launch several events to celebrate Nashville's rising songwriters and independent publishers. I was at Warner Chapel for a long time. It was originally Chapel in her song. Um, Warner Brothers Music bought Chapel in 1988. I made the transition, and then I just worked my way up from there. I started out uh, just doing um, tape copies, then song plugging, then I became head of creative, and then uh, and then 2003 I took over running the uh, the Warner Chapel office in Nashville, and uh, and I was there till. Oh nine. Um, after that, I went to I went to Chrysalis, mm-hmm. and uh, and timing. You know, I I was there at Chrysalis for about six months before we found out that we were being purchased by BMG, and so I had a little more time to myself. And then you find your way to Big Deal. Found my way to Big Deal. Yeah, yeah. Kenny McPherson is uh, he's the president of Big Deal, and I had worked with him at. Chapel at Warner Chapel and then at Chrysalis too. So, um, so this is my third time being in a company with Kenny, and I, I love uh, I love Big Deal. I love our people and our writers. It's a great place. Well, music publishing is basically you're working with songwriters, and you're working with I think just the that that spark that happens first before anything else can really happen. It, it's uh, you hear it all the time in Nashville. Um, the NSAI says it all the time. It all begins with a song. And it, it really is true. Before you can have a record, before you can have anything else, you have to have a song. And when I um, when I first came to town, I I showed up at Chapel Intersong to do an internship. And I had a fuzzy idea of what music publishing was. But when I sort of realized that that, that was the place where songwriters came in in the morning with a blank piece of paper and just their guitar and at the end of the day they had a song that didn't exist that morning and then that song could go on and do something and millions of people could hear it I was just fascinated by that and, and so for me I just thought publishing is going to be the thing and I, I'm still endlessly fascinated by it that people come in in the morning they, and by the time they leave they have something that may be just like a big phenomenon um, one thing I always say about uh, song pluggers, it, it, it is good to be the kind of person that being told no to doesn't bother you too much. <laughs> right. Um, because, you know, the odds are so incredible. Um, first off, I mean, there's, and, and this is the way back in the 90s, even when the 90s, we look at it as the, as the real boom years. Um, but there were still far more great songs written than there were people who could record those songs. And so you can't take it personally. You know, you do a lot of research, um, you make your best efforts, but you're still most of the time going to hear the word pass. Right. And you just sort of got to be kind of okay with that and be the kind of person who 
doesn't take it personally. You just say, okay, I got to go back and dig some more and figure it out a little bit more. So, um, so having to say no a lot and not take it personally, how many times do you have to say no to people, meaning writers who want to write with you? Oh, that's, that's, that's part of it too. I mean, part of it is you're managing your resources. Part of it is you're, you're always looking for people that, that you want to work with. And sometimes maybe it's just not the right time. Maybe it's not the time, right time for you personally. Maybe it's not the right time for your company. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think, I think if, uh, if I'm going to expect um, grace sometimes from people who turn me down, then I got to be kind of, I got to be good at that too, you know. And, kind and, but clear about it. Exactly, exactly. You know. It's so hard, I think, in music publishing, even for me to wrap my head around, because it is all such like a gut-based a situation like there's not mm-hmm. a spreadsheet that says we're missing uh, this type of writer. It is something in our catalog of writers is missing. Well, how does your gut react when you're trying to say whether this is a good songwriter for you to sign? What does that feel like when you want to get involved with someone? Yeah, a lot of it just I think it boils down to um, to just do I do I really am I enthusiastic about this person? Do I like them? Um, because as as you know, so much of what you look for with people is, do they have a basic skill set? Um, is there some spark about them that you think is really great? But it's also, do you think they'll get along with people too? And you think about the team that you've already got, and will they kind of fit in there well? And um, uh, and over the years, I think I'm a little quicker to sort of look for um, things like their interpersonal skills too, because you're sending them into places, you're hooking them up with people to work. Um, you're, um, you're calling your publishing friends saying, I've got this great writer. I want to get right, you yeah. a great writer. And so you want to make sure that, uh, that they, that, that they can carry themselves well. And that at the end of the day, people will call you and say, wow, do we ever like them? Send them over anytime, you know? Um, and that's, that's some of it. Organizational skills. If, you know, if you're um, if you're all the time chasing people for their demos and their lyric sheets and it's calling them, yeah, that's tough. So you just yeah. try to sort of figure out where they are on the continuum of being good with that. You know. So let me ask you this: just switching gears into a little bit of Fast and Furious. Like when okay. you go back to your office from here and you open up your computer, what are the emails that you actually dread getting? Oh, that I dread getting? Yeah, you don't want them. I guess the one I dread getting. Well, I, I I don't want to get emails from people who are passing on my song ideas. <laughs> Although I appreciate that they send me the note, though. You know what I mean? That's that's important information. You'd rather know it's a no rather than wondering. That's if true. It's a that's no. true. But I'd rather it be a. Oh my God, I love this. I can't live without it. Um, yeah, calendar snafus or kind of like a, pre, a pet peeve. The whole, you know, where am I supposed to be or what day was this? Um, that kind of drives me crazy a little bit, but that's all part of it, you know. Um, and conversely, when you get back, what do you wish is on your computer? Oh, I, I wish I would get a note saying I've got Cole Swindell's next single. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of our listeners are new music publisher. So as much as we're getting to know you, we're also getting to know kind of best practices for the industry. You know, a huge part that comes up pretty consistently is the importance of co-writes and setting up co-writes mm-hmm. and working with other publishers. What what advice would you give a new publisher in town to try to pique your interest enough to really look in and see if there's a potential co-write that you would set up with one of your big deal writers? 
Uh, I would say just um, uh, just kind of get good at presenting the high points of their writer and you know, have some things to listen to ready. Um, you know, be make it easy to set up. If uh, if someone is saying I, I've got a writer, I think uh, I think your writer would be great with. It helps to maybe send me a few of their open dates right off the bat, you know, so that if I like it, it sort of eliminates the step of you me having to go back and say, quickly. can you send me dates? You just sort of try to do everything you can to sort of eliminate a no and and, and kind of get to, yeah, it's kind of basic salesmanship in a way. Um, but um, but just always be, you know, talking up your uh, up your writer wherever you go, whoever you talk to, and and hope the word kind of spreads a little bit. And then again, it goes back to see if you can find a writer too who will kind of do that themselves naturally also. They'll be their own good ambassador too. So what would you say also to those same music publishers, the importance of organizations like networking through the AIMP or mm-hmm. you know, through things that are set up through our PROs? Yeah, always key. I mean, um, it's just it's just important to get out and 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 be talking to people and uh, you know you just the things that you the opportunities that you get just from being out among people who are kind of doing the similar thing that you are is just tremendous and I think if you're if you're very shy about that if you if you don't go to events if you don't go out to writer nights if you don't go to places where you're um, you know, your colleagues are, you're just, you're going to miss out. You've got to be out some. Doesn't mean you got to be out every night, all night, because right, that brings right. along some issues. <laughs> its own but, problems. But yeah, but you, if there's a, um, um, if if BMI is holding an event for some publishers, go to it. You know, it's, if you're invited, it's, uh, um, it's important to kind of get out and, and meet people and let people meet you. The idea right now that publishers are responsible for, the new A and R, basically artist development in the publishing. What is your experience with that, and where do you feel where where does Big Deal stand on that? Well, I think these days, if you're a music publisher, you you've definitely got to um, you've definitely got to know about artist development. Be thinking about it. I don't subscribe to the notion that because I, I hear people say this once in a while, the record labels don't do artist development anymore. Well, they they've always done artist they development. Do. That's yeah. what they do, you know. Um, but but it is a bigger portion of music publishers' um, repertoire than than it used to be, and um, and I think it's just part and parcel because you know the the business evolves and this decade's different than three decades ago, and and it's just an environment where music publishers are a little bit more hands on because part of it is that we have the tools to be, and so we um, uh, we do that, and really the best partnership anyway is between a record label. And a publisher, so I don't, I don't draw a line between the publishers and the labels like that. I think they do great artist development. Publishers can do it too. Um, There's a lot of roads that lead to a lot of roads. Yeah, Yeah. gotta be open to everything. What do you think about pitching in the digital age? Like you've you're experienced in music publishing, but how that has changed too? Uh, Yeah, it has has changed. And uh, you know, years ago when I came to town. Uh, you couldn't email a song across town, so you would, uh, you know, you'd get a cassette or a CD, and you'd and you'd go see somebody. Maybe you would drop it off at the front desk, but you'd sure love to get in and play it for somebody too. Uh, these days, um, you know, the computer and the MP3 and and email and links, uh, they've changed it up a little bit. Some people will say, "Ah, oh, just send me an MP3." 
And I will tell you, sometimes it's nice not to have to leave your office to <laughs> be able to get something across town in a second. That's really great. But it can, I find, if can I find take away a little of the human element, I still enjoy going to see like Chris Lacey at Warner Brothers and, and having a meeting with her, I think is great. Well, you get to have the experience of yeah. sharing music together, which yeah. sometimes can get lost. And you have no control over how a listener is hearing a song. They could be hearing it through their computer speakers or, mm-hmm. you know, in a surround sound. That's a huge, there's a huge difference in the yeah. way a song gets actually played. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing that beats actually sitting down with someone in person and talking to them about music and artists and and your writers. It's the best. Yeah, you talk about like Chris Lacey, very respected A&R at Warner Brothers. How important are those relationships? Like what are things that you do to not only get in the door from these decision makers, these A&R people, but how do you keep those relationships going? Um, you just do the best you can to to help them find what they need for their artists and for their music. And, uh, and along the way, you'd be, you know, you just make it worth their time to to work with you so um, I just try not to waste anybody's time I try to do research I try to find out um, a lot about their artists before I even call them about that and then even then I still hope to find out more from from the NR people about it's their the artists. exact opposite of just clicking send on your computer uh, to actually know somebody and know the environment you're pitching into yeah it makes a lot of difference it's, that's again that's basic salesmanship you just gotta you gotta know your customers you gotta know your product you know, you just uh, do research so you come in ready, as ready as possible. I think that runs consistently through the music industry that time is valuable and wasting someone's time is actually a form of disrespect to them, mm-hmm. one could argue. Yeah, uh, you're right. So a big part of being a music publisher, and this comes up so often, is that you're also a songwriter manager. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great when things are going well for them, but do you have any experience or anything you can share with our listeners about what you do when a writer falls into a rut? Creatively, they're just, for whatever reason, not making commercially viable. Or Yeah, and I think that's something that every creative person wrestles with. Um, I, I, over the years, a couple of things I've done that I think have helped. Sometimes I will, I will work to get them with maybe a, a new car rider or two, someone that I think maybe will sort of uh, you know, kind of make a spark there. Because um, that's good because sometimes writers, when they kind of get in a, a new group of collaborators, it just they just are energized by that. Um, sometimes sometimes we'll just sort of sit and just kind of listen through an hour of music that we're just kind of really enjoying that's really meaning something to us and, and kind of go back and forth a little bit and maybe just sort of, I don't know, maybe sometimes they'll sort of hear some things and they'll be kind of energized by that. And a lot of it is sometimes giving them giving them confidence. Yeah. Um, you know, we all go through what we do sometimes without getting a lot of positive feedback. And so uh, sometimes it's just a, a matter of just thinking to myself consistently, you know, for the next for the next month or so, every time I see this person, I want to say something positive to them so that they, you know what I mean? Just sort of a little bit of light cheerleading. Yes, yes. And because sometimes I think they're not so much in a rut is if they just, they just, people need positive feedback sometimes. And so, um, which I try to do anyway. I, 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 one thing about, I love songwriters and I, I think, I think people who come to town to do this or they're, they're brave and, and they're special. Yes, they are special. And so, um, 
So I, I try to do that anyway with, with everybody I, I work around, but especially riders. You've, you've just got you to cheer them on so that they feel like this was really the right thing to do to come to town. And, uh, um, and, and sometimes it's sort of, I feel like maybe I can, if I can help them over a little bit of a rough patch that day, that's great. You know. What would you think if you were to go back and tell yourself as you were getting into music publishing or to a new music a person who comes into the industry is there any piece of advice you'd give them I think it would be to to really listen to my gut and and trust my gut more I, I think the times that I've maybe had a project or or a writing relationship or something that didn't quite go the way I would like to have it's because I sort of had a feeling but I kind of kind of overruled that feeling and then, of course, it turns out later on that, yeah, I had the well, feeling. I think you're talking about listened. like when something feels off. Is mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, full admission here? Uh, Michael McAnally bomb at Smack Songs has the same problem. Like if something's not <laughs> feeling great, like what, what is a how, how do you how do you go about rectifying that? Like now with your experience? Um, I think it's just very important to just to really I think just calm down a minute. Just calm down and really think about, OK, what's. What am I really feeling here? And um, because I think we, I think a lot of us, maybe a few of us more than others, sometimes have a tendency to kind of talk ourselves into things or just say, I think it'll be okay because I think, I think I've observed this and I still want to see it happening, even though you don't really feel it. And you really got to feel it. And this is a funny business because it's, uh, uh, I tell people all the time, you got to be okay with ambiguity you got to be okay with not really having a playbook and even if you did have a playbook it changes so fast in this town but ultimately what feels right and feels wrong I think that's kind of that just stays and you and you really got to pay attention to that one of the things I've enjoyed about being new to Nashville too and in my five years is also getting to meet people like you who I instantly liked but have grown to respect in the process so how do you gauge your own personal success in the music publishing industry i think it's whether you can look back and feel like you've made a difference with the writers you've worked with and the and the company you're with and your colleagues um i i love it when anytime a writer gives me any bit of appreciation for anything i've done i just think that's the best and and that tells me it just tells me that I'm doing something right. You know, maybe uh, um, I think we all kind of look back and say, I wish I'd had more of that. I wish I'd had more success here. But I think at the end of the day, if you've uh, if you've helped other people do the thing that they really want to do, then, then you're doing good. This Nashville AIMP podcast was brought to you by our friends at Anderson Benson Insurance. Experienced locally owned brokers who take a creative approach to simplifying insurance and risk management. These guys are relationship people, and they have the experience to understand all the aspects of our ever-changing industry. They prepare all their clients, including me, for their next level of success. I have all my insurance accounts with them, and Anderson Benson is an important part of my team. I have cell phone numbers if I have questions, and they're always available to help. Look them up at andersonbenson.com.